verse 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Actually, we're going to read verse 1 and 2, but I'm going to preach from verse 3 and 4. Okay? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. We'll pause there. It goes on because the next word is and. But uh, but we want to stop there and look at these two verses. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. What in the world does this mean? What's he talking about? Striving against sin and enduring the contradiction of sinners against himself. Well, he's just talked about running with patience the race that is set before us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This is not a sprint. It is a marathon. It is a lifelong race. From the day you got saved to the day you draw your last breath here and draw your next breath in heaven, that is the length of your race. And we are to run with patience. Now, if you're going to run that long a race, you may want to train with weights, but you do not want to wear them in the race. One of the coolest things I remember from junior high school was my first pair of track spikes. It was like not wearing shoes at all because they were so light. I mean, I, I was one of those kids that grew up with Keds. Okay? You remember Keds? With a pair of Keds tennis shoes, you could jump small buildings at a single bound. You could run faster than lightning, faster than the speed of light. Oh, man, a new pair of kids, it lasts for like three or four days until you got them really dirty. But a new pair of kids, oh, man, it was like lightning. But then I got my first pair of track spikes. Whoa, they leave kids in the dust. And so Paul, the, Paul here, the writer of Hebrews or whoever it is, says to lay aside every weight. And the sin which doth so easily beset us, which is lack of faith. Lack of faith. I mean, that's what chapter 11 is all about. People who live by faith. And so lay that aside and run with patience. The race that is set before us. Interesting thing about track and field is they always have a track for you to run on. Or a path laid out for cross country or a, or, or a track laid out for a marathon. You always have specific places you have to go. That's the way it is in the Christian life. God has a particular path, a particular plan laid out for you. 
And you need to get on it now and stay on it long term. Oh, man. Major disappointment. State track meet. Not for me. I wasn't there. But major disappointment one year when they were running the cross country. And one of the flags that marked a corner got blown away. Uh, I assume nobody took it. But everybody running ran past the flag except one guy who had run the course before and he knew where the turn was supposed to be. He finished in first place. Everybody else came staggering in later, got lost, didn't know where the path was, and so they didn't get a prize for running. That's the way it's going to be for a lot of Christians, I'm afraid, because we as believers... we, we tend to emphasize the things that we're not supposed to do, right? Sure. Not supposed to smoke, not supposed to drink, not supposed to chew, not supposed to go with girls that do. <laughs> you know? Don't do this, don't do that. But we fail to focus on what we are supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? Well, we talked about it Sunday morning in the message. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Do we even know what all things God has commanded us? We know some of them, don't we? We know where to pray without ceasing, we know where to flee fornication. We know where to, uh, to, to meditate and read and study and observe to do the Word of God so we can be successful. We know we're supposed to, uh, to, to tell others about Jesus as we are going into the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. We like the, the Old English uh, King James translation better because it says, Go ye into the world, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And not recognizing that the word go there is from the Greek is uh, a verb of continual action as you are going. So, because we can't go to the whole world, we don't go anywhere. Right? Because we can't go to the whole world, we don't go to the kids at school. We don't go to the people in the workplace. We don't go to the, to the checkout people at Walmart. We don't even smile at them very often. And let me tell you, those people need a smile. Okay? You say, well, Brother Casey, they're so slow, they don't deserve one. That's why they need one. Okay? That's why they need one. So they'll speed up. Okay? I was talking to the manager the other day. I said... At the end of this year, oh, by the way, I was checking out at the service counter because there was six people in each line, and there was only two people at the service counter. So I went to the service counter, checked out. You can do that, for those of you who didn't know. And uh, if you've got a whole basket full of groceries, they're not excited to see you. But if you just got one or two things, yeah, they'll check you out, and you'll be on your way. But anyhow, the manager was standing back there, and I said, uh, I uh, am over here because there's too many people in each of the lines. And she said, oh, I know, poor scheduling. And I said, 
I, I would like my certificate this year. And she said, what certificate? And I said, my certificate for, for passing the course on how to stand in line at Walmart at, in the Christmas rush. And she said, uh, we don't do that here. And I said, well, you need to start or I'm going to start shopping at some place where they do. <laughs> she knew I was kidding. But I hope she didn't think I was just kidding. But we're to be preaching the gospel wherever we go. It is so easy to give people gospel tracts. If you give them one that I wrote, say, hey, a friend of mine wrote this. Would you read it? And next time I say it, you can tell me what you think. Okay? They won't throw it down. They'll do you the favor of reading it. It's so simple. And we ignore it so often. It's just wrong. We are to do all that we know to do. It's not just what we know not to do. We've got to do what we know to do. Why? Because we have to consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Let me illustrate. Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Jesus says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Because the Pharisees had just said Jesus is casting out demons by Beelzebub. He's not the Son of God. Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, Jesus said, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bearer, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Okay? They are calling God a gluttonous wine-bibber. And then in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Matthew 15, 1 and 2. Then came, Jesus, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat. <laughs> wow. In Jerusalem, you walk into a restaurant. Over on the table, on one side, is a bowl and a pitcher. And you take that pitcher, and you pull this hand out, and you pour water over it. And then you dry it on a towel, and then you take this hand, pour water over it, dry it on a towel. You are ritually clean. You can go in and eat. Okay? Jesus made it quite clear. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Matthew 21, verses 14 through 16. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. When the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. Whoa. 
You go down to the hospital and you see a doctor do miraculous surgery and the guy walks out uh, healed in, in three or four days. What do you say? He didn't have any right to do that. That wasn't in God's will. God let the man get sick like that. He meant for him to die. What? He said, Brother Kitch, that's nuts. Yeah. The children were crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. And the chief priest and the scribes were sore displeased. And they said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you never read? Oh, man. These are the guys that copied down the scriptures, the scribes. They made the copies of the scriptures. Jesus says, Have you never read what the Old Testament scriptures say? Oh, yikes. That's a slap. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected for it praise. Then they be right to say that to Jesus. Matthew twenty one twenty three, And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? What right do you have to teach about the word of God? Who gave you the authority to do that? You say, how did Jesus answer? He said, well, let me ask you a question, and if you answer mine, then I'll answer yours. They said, okay. He said, uh, was John the Baptist a prophet or not? <laughs> and they didn't answer his question. Because if they would said, yes, he was a prophet, then Jesus could have said, well, then how come you didn't go follow him and be baptized of him? And if he said if he wasn't a prophet, then all the people who were there who believed that John the Baptist was a prophet would have turned on him, and it would have been ugly. So Jesus didn't tell them by what authority he did these things and who gave him his authority. Verse 46, Matthew 21. When he was come to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, Whoops. That's wrong. Matthew twenty-two fifteen. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. I'm going back and find out what Matthew twenty-one forty-six says. They sought to lay hands on him. Oh, but when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Okay? The writer of Hebrews says, Consider him that hath endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Luke four twenty-eight and 29. All they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him onto the brow of the hill whereupon their, whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. They were going to throw him off the cliff. This is Nazareth where he grew up. Wow. Luke eleven fifty three and 54. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and Pharisees began to urge him vehemently, and provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. Luke nineteen thirty nine, 
Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. There are 13 more places in the book of John where Jesus endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest you be wearied and faint in your own minds. When you get tired, when you get weary of serving God, when you get weary of doing right, and and it comes around Wednesday night church time, and you think, oh man, I don't think I can make it tonight. Remember that Jesus endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. And we haven't done that, have we? No. We don't take much criticism from the world. It's not like soldiers are advancing on us trying to kill us just because we're Christian. Trying to chop our little babies in half. You see, Brother Casey, if it was my baby, I wouldn't let him do it. Well, for those fathers who won't let him do it, they kill the father first. And then the babies. And then after they've raped the little girls and the mothers, they kill them. Proclaiming to be Christians. Consider him that hath endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your own minds in your minds ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin say what oh think with me just for a moment the night before he's crucified he's been up all day been healing and teaching in the temple he's been dealing with people solving people's problems Saving people, dealing with people. And now he has finished the Last Supper with his disciples before his crucifixion. And they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of the Olive Press. And some of the disciples stay there in the little cave where the Olive Press is because there's benches all around they can lay on. And Peter and James and John, and he tells them, now y'all stay here and and y'all pray. And he tells Peter, James, and John, y'all come with me. And they go off a little ways. And Jesus says, now y'all watch and pray here. And then he goes off about a stone's throw away. And he kneels down and begins to pray. And what's he praying? He's praying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Don't make me drink this sin. Don't make me take this sin in my own body. Don't let me, don't let me feel in my body the effects of drug addiction, the, the, the effects of alcoholism, the effects of, of diseases that are caused by sin. Father, don't, please, if there's any other way, don't make me drink this. Nevertheless, Not my will, but thy will be done. And after an hour, he goes back and Peter and James and John are asleep. And he wakes them up and he says, what? Can't you watch with me for just one hour? Watch and pray. And he goes back and prays again. And after an hour, he goes back and they're asleep again. And he wakes them up again. And he says, please, I need you. Pray for me. 
And he gets up and goes off again. And this time, the struggle, the contradiction of sinners that he is fixing to die for causes such stress that the blood pops forth on his forehead out of the pores of his skin. He is resisting against sin, striving against sin, because it would have been really, really easy for him to get up and say, I'm not going through with it. Father, they're not worth it. Now, I know you're worth it, but look at the person next to you. Are they worth Jesus dying for? I know I'm not. So maybe you can blame me. But he is striving against sin, resisting unto blood. Now think about it just for a moment. Every time you laugh at a filthy joke, every time you look twice at pornography, Every time you dress in such a way that it causes a man to look at you with pornographic thoughts. Jesus is resisting, striving unto blood. He's bleeding for that. Every time you're tempted... To do what you want instead of doing what you know God wants. Jesus is praying for that in the garden. Resisting unto blood, striving against sin. And why is the writer of Hebrews telling us this? Because he knows if we'll consider Jesus, we won't get weary. In the work. We might get weary. We might get tired. But we'll keep running with patience. Running with patience. One of the things they do in a marathon. Is they set up tables of water. Along the way. And every once in a while you got to stop. And take a drink of water. And then keep on moving. Pour the cup of water over your head. Whatever you got to do, you just keep on moving. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. We sure haven't, have we? Let's pray together. Father, 
Drive this message deep in our hearts. Help us to recognize that every moment of every day belongs to you. And that we are to bring glory and honor to you. Instead of wanting people to look at us, help us to want them to look to Jesus. Instead of wanting people to think of us, help us to desire to have them think of you. Help us to be busy about our Father's business. Dismiss us with your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.